the sports dance. Hey everyone, and welcome to the sports dance. I'm your host, Greg, and with me, you can call him the birthday boy, because on All Hallows' Eve, he turns another year older. It's Paul, everybody. Paul, happy early birthday. Um, thank you. Don't sound you. so excited. I was going to say, don't well, sound so excited. I'm actually on Halloween, not Halloween Eve, but just saying. It's what it used to be called. Okay. I was going with the one, what it was That's called back in the day for you. Yeah, exactly. I was using your old terminology. There I go. <laughs> so it's good to be here. Um, I'm getting forgetful as I get closer to these birthdays and just, just kidding. Um, <laughs> lots to talk about this week. Are you kidding though? And at the end of this week, there's lots to talk about. Yeah, it's gonna, we're gonna have to start. We might actually have to start like figure out like guests or something for the show instead of just our voices all the time. I think that's a great idea. We'll have, we'll have to see. We'll have to see if anybody's willing to come talk to us. I don't know. They might listen. If they listen, they may not. Yeah, we got to go up to people that have never heard of us. That sounds like a good plan. <laughs> I think they would be very happy to spend a few minutes with us. Obviously, they would. They'd be lucky. Anyway, Paul, let's get into it. Uh, as you said, after this week, not as much to talk about, mainly because the MLB season came to a close. We delayed the show by a day because I had a hunch the Dodgers might win. But for a while last night in the game, it did not quite look like they had anything going for them offensively until one key move. And it was by the other team. And it was by the other team. When so Kevin is that Cash, a coaching faux pas that gets you fired? No, because you did make it to the World Series. So yeah. I guess you got to kind of – he went by the analytics. I'm a bonehead. He should. Kevin Cash pulling out Blake Snell is going to be one of those moments that go down in history of like what could have been. It's just, it, it was not. Were they out on the mound for an exceptionally long amount of time? No, he gave up a walk or a base hit. The second one of the night, it was either he gave up his second hit of the night in the sixth inning or he walked the guy. And immediately after, Cash walked out and pulled him. Because wow. the top of the order was coming up and their analytics say, once the order comes up around again for the third time, you probably should pull Snell out because he has a harder time the third time around against lineups. But it's the World Series. It's a do-or-die game for you. Your guy is pitching phenomenally. He gave up two hits only so far. He had nine strikeouts. You really think the guys that have gone 0 for 6, the top three guys, were 0 for 6 at that point, even if, say, if Mookie comes up, he hits a home run. At least then you're like, you know what? I went with the hot hand, right? You got to at least assume that. Wow. You, you, momentum, everything's in your favor, and you single-handedly kill the game. But, like, he really did, too. It was one nothing. They take him out. You kind of felt – the Rays players, you, I mean, you couldn't feel it if you weren't there, but I feel like you could see on their faces, like, what are we doing? Like Blake Snell, obviously, once he saw Cash come out, you could tell he said some choice words when turning away. And then next guy, Mookie Vets comes up. 
and completely changes the game. Then that rest of the lineup was like, all right, we got this. A few runs later, Dodgers have a comfortable lead. It's a little reminiscent of, an, of what we saw in the past in our, in our Red Sox history, don't you think, Paul? It is. It is. And, you know, that young man could have been playing for us. Right. He could have. But fire sale. <laughs> you think you think they're just going to sell him off now? When you think about how big that move was, what do you think the locker room conversation was? Um, Pretty? Ugly? Uh, I don't know. Somber. I'm sure guys were like, we know you thought you were doing the right move. We I don't get think it. they think that at all. I think they come in and say, you're the biggest bonehead I ever met. Probably. But if they play into the whole Tampa Bay's whole thing is they're the analytics team. They follow the analytics that has led them to this point. It's gotten them to the World Series by following that whole, this matchup makes the most sense on paper. Let's look at this. Let's look at that. This whole situation we have like a 30% better chance of getting it out if we bring in him compared to him and all these different things. So they ride or died with the analytics instead of just feeling for the moment, which is what you should do in that type of situation. It was very so reminiscent of the Grady Little. Analytics. Yeah. Well, it was very reminiscent of not analytics wise, but the Grady Little situation as Red Sox fan, like I was referencing before with when he went out to the mound against the Yankees with Pedro in. And Pedro was having a pretty good game, but he had gotten into a rough patch late in the game, like the seventh inning. He went out, he decided to leave Pedro in, and Pedro, the Yankees became Pedro's daddy. That's where it all stemmed from. And that move is what people think cost the Red Sox in 2003. So it was the reverse. Yeah, it was the reverse. But again, it's that, it's those moves. You, as the manager, you live and die with the moves you make. Yeah, Pedro was on a downslide. He should have come out. Yeah, it having a guy in first with one out, and you're up one nothing, with a pitcher who struck out nine guys so far, including the top three batters who are come next three batters coming up. At least give him another guy. Let him go at least through Mookie bets and see what happens. If he hits the home run, I feel like the guys are like, you know what? You made the right move leaving him in. He was doing well. He was pitching great. His pitch count was low. Like, we get it. This move, though, it it completely, I think, deflated the team before the guy even threw his first pitch. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Speaking of things that don't make sense, we'll do a segue from that. Justin Turner getting pulled from the game in the eighth inning due to having a positive COVID test. And then after isolating for the final outs of the game and the beginning of the celebration, reappeared on the field to celebrate with teammates, removing his mask for team pictures and staying around people, even though he had a mask on after the pictures and everything, but still celebrating around people of all different ages while knowing he has a positive COVID test. Now, the rumor is the players said he it was fine at that point for him to come out and move his mask for the picture and things like that, mainly for the fact that they were like, we have been with him and around him since the beginning of the playoffs. Like, if if we get it, it was kind of inevitable that we probably already had it before this final hour or two of the whole season. So I get that, but overall, Paul, what were your reactions hearing about that 
and then seeing his actions afterwards of with celebrating with people. Well, I think they did the right thing pulling him because guess what? You got to act on the information you have, yeah. whether it's a false positive or a positive. So they pull him. Great. They move on. Coming out and removing his mask, though he's asymptomatic, he's still positive. Yeah. What the heck are they thinking? I think they find the team. I I mean, I get they, they probably will. I'll play devil's advocate for an ex- for a second. I get it to an extent of why players and people felt he could be out there and celebrate with them for the fact that it's a once in a lifetime moment that you will never, ever get back. I mean, hey. granted you could, you could win another world series, but it's your first world series. It's the first one in the, for the organization in 30 some 32 years. I want to say, yeah, I think 1988 was the last one, 32 years. So I I get it from that aspect where you were like, it's terrible that in the final hour of this whole messed up weird season situation, you got pulled. You weren't even there to celebrate the final out. We've been around you. If we got it, we already have it. We've already been around you as is like one more hour, not making a difference. At this point, to most of them is probably what they're thinking, especially if he's asymptomatic, which probably means he was had it for the few days at least. So my guess, well, asymptomatic, it doesn't matter the level you have it; your body's just fighting it, and you, well, you don't. No, show no I symptoms. know. So, but, but as devil's advocate, there, that's my and guess. And it's a once in a lifetime thing, and he gives it to the player, three guys down in the picture because he breathes on him, and that guy goes home and kills his grandmother. Well, no. Well, that's yeah. That's why I said I would play devil's advocate. I don't I think it was right, but I there's a part of me that gets it from I playing sports and all that. I get it to an extent of I understand how hard it would be to isolate yourself in that moment. Because let's be honest, if the test didn't come back, they rushed a test. If his first test didn't come back inconclusive, and a second test came back positive, that positive would have come out today. Not last night. They only rushed it because his test from the previous day was inconclusive. So they were like, all right, let's test the one today. Let's rush this and see. I and give them credit for making the move to pull him. I don't give them credit for letting him on the field without a mask. Hey, no. you want to support him? Everybody put on a mask for the picture. And the MLB is getting a lot of flack for it as well. And the MLB was like, listen, we told him he needs to isolate. We tried to make him. He refused. Like, we can only do so much. And I guess they're not really technically going to have security restrain him because he's not technically breaking any laws. He's not doing anything. Walking him in an SUV with somebody and driving around the streets. Yeah. That would also be a hard thing to get away with. I think he could then make the case for kidnapping. (laughs) (laughs) But so I get it. We had to kind of play devil's advocate on that one though, back and forth because you can't, I mean, we both understand the severity of his actions and what they could lead to. But at the same time, you have to look at it as what the moment was, the situation they were in, especially with the fact they had been around. Go hop up time. and down over there, 12 feet away. Yeah, but it's it's one, it's one a very hard situation. The emotional like fighting of your body of eighth inning, they come up to you and be like, you're out of the game. Why? You tested positive for COVID. You got to come with us. You got to isolate but we're five outs away from the World Series title. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. You got to go. Does he hand him the ball? No, he was he was a he's a third baseman. 
Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So he's a, he was a position player, but so, but again, just in oh, general, man. it's just like one of those things. It's you're like, Oh my God, I'm getting excited. We're about to win this. And then you're like, I can't, I can't celebrate like what? So it's one of those, it was a very hard situation overall, not handled well because everything has been focused on him and not the team, which makes it also not a great look. And then they can't go right in the streets either. Yeah. Yeah. Then last night, every, both the Lakers and Dodger people were like, let's have a parade safely, but let's have a parade. People were like, no, like, go like let's, let's not right now when everything's spiking again. But yeah, besides that whole situation, Corey Seager won MVP. He hit 400, had two home runs, five RBIs, very solid world series. So congrats to him. I was slightly glad it wasn't Mookie just because it would have been just like the push over the edge for Red Sox fans being like, yeah, okay, he won the title, but he also won MVP. Like, awesome. Even though I feel like he should have. He's He had a few home runs and stolen bases and impactful catches. Hey, you can't say Mookie had a bad year, right? No. Uh, yeah. Earned a lot of money. Yeah. And Clayton Played Kershaw. Last year, David Price got the World Series monk two years ago, 2018. Yeah. Price a few years ago got the monkey off his back of all his playoff gripes and issues with him this year. Clayton Kershaw finally got it. He actually pitched pretty solid in the World Series. So happy for him. It was one, it was like that last missing piece, but it was that big mark on his resume. Also, of well, he can do it all regular season, but he can't do it when it matters the most. He finally did it. So good for him. Besides that, Paul. Baseball season is wrapped up. Rob Manfred clearly celebrated it. I don't know if you saw the clip. He sounded pretty drunk handing over the MVP trophy. That's why you never do that. You got to go out and speak. Well, he's the commissioner of baseball. He shouldn't be doing it. But right? people are like, we don't. Reprimand people for yeah. inappropriate conduct and you're fining them and you're out there. Well, people are concerned. They're like, either he was blasted or. Something was medically wrong with him. Like it was, it just did not seem. He seemed off. So maybe he took a few shots after he heard that Game Seven would potentially be in jeopardy if the Rays came back. Because could you imagine what would have happened if they had to figure out what to do tonight? Oh yeah, quarantine. We got to play in two weeks. They would. Well, no, they probably would have tested everybody and played like tomorrow. Would be my guess, just without the one guy. Just like football, because you know, player so, safety. You had a great prediction. You said in uh, Dodgers and six. I did. I said Dodgers and six. I thought the Rays pitching would step up. It it kind of didn't, or the, yeah, the Rays pitching would step up. It did in one game. The other game was just that crazy, weird bunch of runs ending. So pitching had no oh, part of it. <laughs> yeah, it would have been that five. Was, it was, that was weird. Nuts. Get that guy, he's nuts. That's nuts. That guy's nuts. Grab him. I was going to say, I forget what the phrase is, but you always say it. But besides that, that was baseball. So uh, well, I guess the next thing we'll be talking about for MLB is what players do in the offseason. Who goes where? Who's healthy? Who's not? Stay home? Well, they get to go to their real home, not their well, temporary. Yeah, they have 100 plus days until the next technically se- technical season starts. It's not like hockey and basketball, which are supposed to start in like January and December. But we'll, well see. Go isolate with your family and rest. Everybody yeah. needs rest. Everybody does need rest. 
Paul, next thing to talk about is before we get into some NFL, we are going to get, touch on NFL, but it's going to involve a daily fantasy player story. And not, not a good one for the guy involved. A guy named Rob Hunts thought he won a million dollars on Monday night playing the showdown on DraftKings where first place wins a million dollars. The game ends, his screen pops, he's won the million. He's first place. Obviously, he's ecstatic. He calls family. He calls friends being like, oh, my God, I won the million dollars. I can't believe this. Like, it's crazy. I'm going to go for a walk with my dog and, you know, kind of like cool down a bit. Goes for the walk, comes back 30 minutes later, goes back to the computer, kind of like reality to set in, clicks on it to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. A million dollars. Let's see this again. Let's see it. He's no longer in first place. There was a stat change after the game had ended where a sack was taken back from the Bears defense and given a three-yard rushing loss for Jared Goff instead. That one point shifted him from first place and a million dollars to a tie for eighth place with the money split and winning only $3,000 instead. That is rough. That is a $997,000 difference you just went from in 30 minutes. That's a pretty high high and a pretty high low. Three thousand bucks is three thousand bucks. Yeah, but getting taxed on three thousand dollars compared to a million dollars. After you get taxed on a million dollars, you still have about you still have like seven hundred thousand dollars. Well, getting taxed you, on that's like thirty three thousand. Harvey calls the wrong name. Yeah, you jump up yeah, and down and take the crown off your head. Yeah, that was pretty bad, but. In general, like that's rough. How how do you think you would react personally if you went from thinking you had just won a million dollars to thirty minutes later they're like, "Nah, you only got three thousand." I bet you forty five ambulance chasers have already contacted him to sue DraftKings. They can't. That's not their fault. They if there's a it's an NFL stat changer who changed it. They just follow the rule of the cha- stat was changed. They have to adjust their score based on that. How long after a game can stats can you be change? changed? Yeah, it's up to a day or two. I've seen fantasy football games get their outcome switched two days after, like on a Wednesday, Oof. because they were like, oh, this was not actually a run. This was a pass. So therefore, the quarterback gets an extra like 0.2 points on that play. And therefore, the catch also gets another half point type thing situation. Oh, this guy who was down by 0.01 points now wins his game. It's happened. Well, it happened to my one league this year. I had a terrible fantasy week. Yeah. I had um, my- who who was your first loss to? That the only player she knows on her team is Don Brady. Yeah, you lost to your your oldest daughter, and you didn't just lose. I got crushed. She wiped the floor with you, and this was her first win of the year. She was 0-6. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes... And she actually contacted me this week to help her make a change in her team because she couldn't get into her app. That's because her father so, called so, her and told her, you have a buy, you need to fix it. You shouldn't have done that. You I know, it. but I would have killed her. Guess what? It wouldn't have mattered anyway. <laughs> yeah. It was so bad. It was very bad. She had Brady and Gronk had a good week for her. Speaking of Brady. I'm really putting it to uh, Bill. 
Those Buccaneers. Yeah. But, Paul, before we get into our NFL talk, we wrap up our daily fantasy. But before any of that, we also have to say this. We just had Prime Day, and Black Friday is just around the corner. What better way to shop than with Amazon? Shopping with Amazon and helping 12 on sports go hand-in-hand. Use the link 12OunceSportsNetwork.com slash Amazon to help give us some holiday cheer. It costs you nothing extra, but means the world to us. Again, use 12OunceSportsNetwork.com slash Amazon to help us out when you shop at Amazon, because honestly, who doesn't shop at Amazon? Everybody does. Yeah, nobody's going out. Nobody. And Black Friday, you're going to go cream in those stores? No, thank you. I mean, maybe for an $88 TV. I don't know. Who knows? They will be out there. Oh, they, they will be. It, it, it doesn't matter what. The world could be on fire and Black Friday would still go off without a hitch. <laughs> They'll be lined up in tents and campers and everything else. Exactly. All right. So, Paul, now we, we will get back to the NFL since you seem very eager. Like you said, the Bucks look pretty good. And... The rich are getting richer as long as they can stay mentally stable because they just signed Antonio Brown. Was he wandering down the hallway? What the heck? Well, he had an eight-game suspension. He has to wait till after week eight to play. But, like, now, we thought the Bucs were good already. They had Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, two of the top ten receivers in all of the NFL right now. You throw in Antonio Brown – you technically probably have, if he turns back to his old form, three of the top 10 to 15 wide receivers in the entire league as your one through three guys. Plus, you have Gronk, who kind of looks like he's getting back into form. He's had a few touchdowns now, a few good games. He got the rust off, it seems. You have Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones in your back. Like, you were just stacked from top to bottom, and Tom Brady looks like the Tom Brady of old. And I'm not talking about last year or the year before that even. I'm talking about like prime Brady days. I think they should change the name of the team to the Tampa Brady Buccaneers. I was going to say. He's bringing all his boys down there and he's kicking ass and taking names and he's probably wants to call Bill and say, hey, I guess it was me. You you miss me now? (laughs) Yeah, right. Oh, no, it's definitely Bill. Uh, We'll talk about that in a minute too. But, yeah, no, uh, the Buccaneers even, you know, dug the knife a little deeper by saying when they signed Antonio Brown, they used the picture of him with the Patriots for that one game he was with them as their picture to say, we have signed Antonio Brown. So now you have three former Patriot offensive players on the Bucs, and I'm going to guess Antonio Brown's going to probably look pretty decent. The funny thing is, clearly Tom Brady has taken full control of that offensive front office because Bruce Arians before the season started was asked, Hey, if Antonio Brown's available, willing to take the vet minimum, he just wants to play with Tom again. You taking him? And Bruce Arians said, Nope, no chance. There's no room here. I don't care if he wants the vet minimum. I know the guy. I don't like him. He's not going to play for us. Seven weeks in there he is. Not good. I mean, that might cause some tension. What happens if Bruce Aaron says, hey, AB, you got to do this? And he says, no. Like, I'm curious to see how this all plays out. I wonder if Tom Brady's office is bigger than the coach. (laughs) It might be. 
What's the over-under on how many games he lasts? Do you think he makes it the whole season? Or how about this over-under? We'll put it at four and a half. So he either has to play five games and more, or he plays four or less and gets cut or released or something. So we'd have to do something new because he's doing his punishment now for technically still under investigation for I think domestic abuse. Yeah. So that could come out. I don't know. I guess uh you say four and a half games? Yep. He'll start in week what? Probably the week he comes back. So he's eligible after week eight. So he'll have weeks nine through seventeen. So You'll have eight games, I think, because I don't think the Bucks have had their bye week. They'll, he'll have eight games, essentially, to play. So I'm asking, does he hit, make it through at least half them or less or more? I think, he, I think he is in a place where maybe he'll come around. Do you think he can change his spots? He can at least cover them up. He did for a while in Pittsburgh. I don't know if they can, but hey, if he can, all the power to him. Why not? Yeah, stack that team. I mean, seriously, though, that team is stacked. Teams that are not trying to be stacked, though, we'll segue into that. Your Patriots, they they're not they're not too good looking. Um, I I guess I'll just talk about it now because it was my don't watch it game of the week, and I am very very accurate with that one. The Niners and the Patriots was horrendous to watch if you were a Patriots fan. It was painful. It was. So you bench him. Cam Newton looked lost. He couldn't throw it in the ocean. He couldn't throw it. He looked timid to throw it. He looked like he didn't know what to do. Uh, he said all the right things after the game, you know, like, oh, it's on me. It's it's all – I. it was my fault. All these – he said all the right things. Yeah, stop talking and win. Well, you can't that's – that, that's, that's the point. How long does saying the right things work for you if you're not doing them on the field? Like – at some point, you have to be able to make those wide-open passes or pull the trigger on the pass and hit. The fact that Julian Edelman, who is your technically best offensive player outside of Cam Newton, has had two catches, I think, in the past two games, and he's only been targeted like a handful of times. What's going on? I don't know. And then they put in, you know, the uh, next savior, Jared Stidham. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought they just went and got the water boy and said, here, put this uniform on. Pretend you're him. Essentially did. Oh, my God. It was terrible. It was. He's sealing He's too early. He's not good. No, none of your quarterbacks are good. So, I mean, I've heard Boston Media saying it up here. You got what you paid for. The Patriots literally knew for the entire offseason Tom was not coming back. They got told right away. There was Teddy Bridgewater out there. There was all these different quarterbacks that you could have gone after. You could have paid. You could have at least put up $15 million per season for it. You didn't. You waited. You could have gotten Andy Dalton, who, granted, has not looked good in Dallas, but he probably would have looked half decent in New England. And I know Cam looked good the first week or two, and I think that was more so surprising for everybody. But he's dropped off fairly quickly and maybe maybe he's got covid fog who knows maybe the virus affected him more jesus crow jesus crow wow um but yeah i don't know 
It was painful to watch. You were you are spot on. It was ugly. He couldn't get it. He couldn't get the ball out quick enough to get to even like those short, quick passes to James White, who's known for like catching a quick pass in the backfield and then getting a chunk of yards. It was not good. And it's now leading to the question of are the Patriots sellers? Are they giving up on the season? And the name that's being floated around the most for you guys, because he's really truly the only one with value, is Stephen Gilmore, your defensive player of the year, cornerback. And the rumors are flying that basically you're looking to trade him for a number one wide receiver of some sort, or just a very, at least good wide receiver. So you got to build off what you have. You can't give up half to get half. What What do you have? Nothing really. Exactly. So you're going to give away the one thing you do have. I don't know. I, I, the rumors that have been flying, especially because it's coming out of new Orleans that the Saints are looking to trade Michael Thomas. So everybody's like, Oh, Bill can get kind of back at Brady. He trades Gilmore, a top defensive player to new Orleans in division rival for the bucks makes the defense better for them going against Tom. And he gets Michael Thomas, a certified stud wide receiver, but also a huge diva. Do you want that? Do you want to? Do you want the number one guy? Which, granted, a lot of the times your number one wide receivers have a history of being known as divas. Lots of times, it's not necessarily true. Like Odell Beckham Jr. is one of those guys that gets a lot of flack for being a diva. He's never actually really done anything diva-ish. Like he's never come out on the. The biggest thing he ever did on a field was he attacked a fan or a net on the sideline. But like he's been called a diva for the fact that on his bye week he went to Miami and hung out on a boat. Like that's not being a diva. That's just being a guy on his off week taking a trip, like most do. Was he wearing a mask? Probably. No, this was a, this was a few years ago. But so, but Michael Thomas is a true diva. Like he has a very thin skin. It's a history of it. He talks a lot of trash, but it seems like when it gets back at him, he cannot handle it. I don't. Does Bill want that? (laughs) I don't see that mixing with Bill at all. But that's one of the rumors. Obviously, again, it's also just a rumor. It has been noted that Stephen Gilmore's house has been put on sale, and that he would like all offers in by Tuesday, which is the trade deadline. So that's at that least according cool. to local radio insider people is what they said. Well, it sounds familiar. House up for sale. Leave the chairmanship of a organization, and go to Tampa Bay. Well, I mean, when you look at it, I know we're really working on this Patriot thing right now, but you you got to look at Bill. He's the GM and the coach, and he's, he's done nothing to get you guys prepared for when, when Brady left and when Gronk left. He traded Gronk away. He let Brady go after basically not willing to give him like an extra like $2 million, which seems ridiculous, and be willing to give him offensive weapons, which I don't know if you know this, Bill. You seem pretty smart at football. Most quarterbacks would like a few guys that are actually decent enough to throw to. It's a shocking concept. And he's lived how many years winning records, Super Bowls? Well, a lot of this now do you... The fan base is going to turn. They are. Do you think at this point it's kind of becoming clear that maybe it was Tom was the reason for all the success that happened in New England and it wasn't as much of Bill? Well, it's looking that way now. Right now he's 42, going to be 43, or 41, going to be 42. And he's playing the game of his life. 
Yeah. I, Other than the third quarter, fourth quarter thing and the fourth down. Yeah. The question is where when does when does the hammer fall on Bill to for his lack of preparedness in getting this team ready to move forward because they have not addressed their tight end situation with Gronk leaving. They have not addressed really their wide receiver situation. You have a 34-year-old wide receiver who's like 5'10 and trending towards career being done in like a year or two in Edelman. And that's really all you got. You've busted on your wide receivers that you've drafted. You haven't picked anybody up. Your running back situation has never been great. You have decent passing, pass catching running backs. Outside of that, though, you paid a million dollars for your quarterback. You're getting play like it's a million dollar quarterback. I know it's Cam Newton, former MVP, but he's not the same guy he was clearly. Nope. Oh, it got worse. It did get worse. Put up two games ago saying, oh, you had a bad game. And he had a worse game. Yep. But yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It's not no. pretty. The trade deadline yeah. should be interesting. That's at least something to look forward to, maybe. You still want to watch because everyone likes a good car accident. That's true. Uh, speaking of, I, I speaking of car accidents, I guess. Uh former big name wide receiver, Des Bryant who his career kind of ended like a car crash. It just kind of suddenly stopped when he left Dallas and never really got traction again. He signed with the Ravens practice squad. So he's trying to make a comeback. He is a decent wide receiver. So I'd be curious for a team that's not known for their passing, they're more for, so a run first team. Do you think Des Bryant makes it back into the league? He's actually, he tore his Achilles last year. The Saints were going to sign him, but he tore his Achilles like in the tryout. So do you think he comes back and makes it back into the league and makes any sort of impact for the Ravens? I think he will be a long shot. That's a tough injury to get over. It is. And some people never do, and I think that's why he's going to get a shot at the practice squad. I don't know that he ever makes it. Yeah. I mean, I kind of I think he does at some point, as long as he's healthy, if he can get back. He's a good big wide receiver. He's one of those guys that you call up. You bring him in when you're in the red zone as a big body guy that can get up and get the ball. And travel through. Yeah, and that's it. All right, Paul. That's enough of the around the around the league talk. Let's get back into our must-watch, don't watch, and locks. We'll start with last week's. Again, we will go through these quickly, and then we will touch on this week's picks before moving on to just one or two quick things involving the NBA. Well, means. So, Paul, I will let you start it off. What was your must-watch last week, and how did it go? So, Greg, the Titans um, and the Steelers. Titans showed a lot of heart. It was coming back from a deficit, and the golden boy kicker, Gostowski, misses the field goal for the time. It was so bad. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. It was It was terrible. They they worked so hard to get back in that game. It was a must way, it was a must watch. The score showed that it was a better game than it was. It was a train wreck. It was awful. Yeah, I mean, it was it was literally Steelers all first half and then Titans all second half and then Titans yeah. blowing it. And they missed it <laughs> by I'm holding my hands apart two feet by that much. <laughs> Good lord. Terrible. Um, it was pretty bad. My must watch. 
It was actually truly a must-watch. The Sunday night football game was Seattle-Arizona. You had Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, both putting out, showing off, doing what short, good quarterbacks do, which is run, throw some bullet passes. These guys did everything. It was amazing to watch. It went into overtime. Field goals were missed in overtime. Like It was just a crazy game to watch. Arizona ended up coming out on top, giving Seattle its first loss. Huge win for them, especially being an in-division game. But it was fantastic. I enjoyed I enjoyed the hell out of watching it. Great game to watch. Good pick. It was. Thank you. I try. I'll do my I'll do my don't watch. You know, I'll just go with that. We already said it was the 49er Patriots. We already explained that. Paul, what was your don't watch? I guess I gotta say one more thing about that Patriots don't watch. That could be the worst football game I ever watched. The third string running back for the 49ers scored three touchdowns and a hundred yards. <sighs> I don't know. It's just terrible. It was. Um, so the don't watch, um, we talked about the dumpster fire in the NFC East, right? Yep. Cowboys versus Washington. Cowboys are atrocious. They're having a fire sale. Sell all the players. It's like they're trying – is he selling the stadium too? He might he's be. I mean – Get the hell out. I don't know they, what he's doing. They just like I think dropped three – they dropped two defensive stars and traded another one away today. Liquidate, baby. I, I'm, I'm fine with it. I don't know. Well, I know you – I I – Every time I see one of these things that about about Dallas, I think Greg must be doing a happy dance. I am. You see the smile on my face? It's big. <laughs> you are. That's just terrible. That's uh, great. Yeah, that was uh, – They got crushed a, by the Washington football team. Yep. Crushed. Team doesn't even have a name. And then they pick the name that isn't even a name. I know the Eagles lost to them in the first game of the year, but, like, the Dallas Cowboys have – legitimately three potential Pro Bowl wide receivers if they wanted to. Like Michael Gallup, if he catches a ball, is very good. And CeeDee Lamb is a fantastic rookie and Amari Cooper and a Zeke Elliott. Like they're just they're very good. It shouldn't matter who's back there for quarterback. But I love well, them. football <laughs> they uh the owners named their dog dog, I think. Yeah. And then Paul, what was your lock of the week and how did it go for you? So I shouldn't have trusted Atlanta. We talked about Atlanta. We did. Uh, they needed to hold Detroit for one minute, and they couldn't. They couldn't. Touchdown they with suck. zero time left on the clock. They suck. They suck. They, they do. Yeah, that was that was. It seemed like a good pick. It looked good until literally five five seconds, basically in the game. My lock was the Bills at thirteen over the Jets. I really thought the Bills were just going to come out and crush the Jets. They only won by eight. It was eighteen to ten. It was not a pretty game. And yeah, that one hurt because that that should have been an easy blowout game, and it was not. But new week, new us. But at least they won. Yeah, but new week, new us. Let's get into it. Our must-watch of the week's Paul. Paul, kick it off. So we have undefeated Steelers playing the five and one Ravens. Supremacy is on the line. It Who's is. going to win this game? Going to be a must-watch. I think the. Uh, I don't know. I don't know which way, way this is going to go. It could go either way. I know undefeated in five and one, but I I would say this is going to be a great game. Um, Steelers. Feeling the Steelers. I mean, last week, granted, Steelers Titans was your pick last week. It makes sense though. Steelers and Ravens this week. It's that AFC North battle. All you know, you know one thing is for sure. 
Guys are going to get hit hard. It's going to be a violent, rough game. And that's what we love to see as football fans. <laughs> we love to see a few body limbs just going the wrong ways. It's oh, fantastic. And they show it in slow motion. It's like, is that Gumby? <laughs> is that Gumby? Get the uh, wagon. <laughs> my must watch this week. It's kind of a surprise pick. I am going with the Rams versus the Dolphins, mainly because it's Tua Tagovailoa's debut as quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. If you're not going to watch it for any other reason, you're going to watch it for that, which a lot of people are going to because of how much hype he had coming out. Last year, it was literally tank for Tua before Joe Burrow led LSU to the national championship and his hip injury for Tua. So people are going to be excited. Ryan Fitzpatrick, not one of them. He literally said his heart was broken when they told him he was not going to be quarterback anymore. He thought he was doing a pretty good job, which he was. But it's Tua time in Miami going against a pretty good Rams defense. His first career game has to be against one of the former defensive player of the years, Aaron Donald, who is just a scary man coming at you up the middle. So I'm going to be watching at least the first quarter to see how that goes. Who'd have thought in recent history that you would ever have a must-watch Dolphins team? Right. It's it's literally just to see how a quarterback does in his first game. Then afterwards, probably don't need to watch. All right. My do not my don't watch of the week. I'll start that off. Is the Colts versus the Lions? Colts aren't a bad team. Lions can be kind of exciting. But in general, it's, it's, the game just doesn't get – it doesn't make it move, Paul. Put it simply, it doesn't make it move. So I have a don't. I, well, I hope so. Guess who it's going to be? Patriots? Pick on every week. The Giants? Versus the Chiefs. The New Jersey Giants. You know it's going to be a clock cleaning session. <laughs> and don't waste your time. We know it's all about uh, – the Chiefs destroying them. They're going to just take them apart. Um, don't watch. Andy Reid's going to devour them like a double Big Mac. During, uh, during what was it? During uh, the draft? Yeah. In his basement. His, with, with his McDonald's, his, his McChickens and Big Macs and all that all around. Yeah, that makes sense. Paul, finally. Yes. <laughs> Say that again. How do you prepare for this game if you're the Jets? You don't show up? I don't know. Can you? Can you throw up the flag? I, I, you should be allowed to. Paul, bring it home for this week's picks, though. What's your lock of the week? My lock, I'm taking the charges at three and a half points over the Broncos and covering it. They're better than their two and four record. Justin Herbert looks like a stud as a rookie QB. The charges win by 10. Yeah, I like that pick. Uh, Justin Herbert has been phenomenal. I will say that their defense is pretty good. And yeah, I, I would, the Broncos are weird. They're an up and down team. They're not good up and down. They're not like, Hey, we're going to be really win this week and lose next week. They're like, we're going to kick six field goals and somehow win against the Patriots, or we're going to get our asses kicked. That just seems to be what it is, but I can't, I feel like the chargers are good. Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry have a big game. I think and Herbert just keeps doing what he's doing. There's nobody on that Broncos defense that's scary. Or imagine, on offense. imagine having to go home after you lose to a team that wins by field goals. You have a defense. You have no offense. You have Sorry, no offense. I, I, I regress. It's okay. My lock for the week, Paul, though, is 
You had to see it coming. I am taking the Philadelphia Eagles and their seven and a half points over the Dallas Cowboys in Sunday night football. Dallas, I didn't think I'd have to say this about another team in the NFC East besides the Eagles. It's a shit show. I mean, they are just, the Eagles were because of all their injuries. Dallas is because, I don't know, they have given up. It started last week, the disarray with the coaches not being prepared. It is apparently shown against Washington. Now they're getting rid of a bunch of defensive starters, which only can help the Eagles, I assume, because who's filling those roles? Fine by me. I feel confident that the Eagles, who have looked pretty good, they didn't look great Thursday night football, but they they pulled it out, that one-point win. Daniel Jones luckily can't run for apparently more than 80 yards without tripping. But they scored 22 points against a decent Giants team. I know it's weirdly weird to say Giants are decent, but they did have a solid top 10 defense entering that game at the moment. But I feel confident, mainly because I'm an Eagles fan, and I just really want to watch the world burn. So it's either going to come bite me in the ass, or I'm going to feel really good next week when we talk. That's almost qualifies as a don't. But again, oh, I'm watching. <laughs> this might be roller derby and a car accident all rolled up into one. You got to watch it. And it's going to be great, hopefully, for my sake. It could be good. It could be good. And Paul, as always, if you listen to our picks and if you listen to our locks, Paul's is the Chargers against who is it again? Chargers Broncos. Chargers over the Broncos. You have them their three and a half point favorite. I'm taking the Eagles as the seven and a half point favorite over Dallas. Those are our picks. And when you do that, make sure you know to put them in at my bookie. We've got sports back pretty much every day, at least with football and obviously soccer and things moving forward now. And if you want to support the 12 on sports team, there's an easy way to get in on the action. Drove on Sports is going to hook you up with a crazy deal when you sign up and make your first deposit on mybookie.ag. When you make that first deposit on mybookie.ag, they'll match your first deposit up to $1,000 when you punch in the promo code 12OUNCESPORTS. That's all capitalized. That's 1-2-O-Z-SPORTS, all caps, no spaces. When you sign up for MyBookie, again, they match you up for that first $1,000 deposit. Go check it out, mybookie.ag. Always gamble responsibly. Now, Paul, moving forward, we have some NBA action to talk about. And really, it's two quick things before we wrap up the show. First is apparently the Utah Jazz have, are finalizing a deal to be sold for $1.66 billion. That's billion with a B, dollars. Wow. Just imagine. You're paying to live in Utah, own a team in Utah. That's all I'm going to say about it. Utah's uh, beautiful. I, I, what do you do? I don't know. That's what all players talk about. There's nothing to do in Utah, they say. I mean, you can ski like and stuff like that, but they say like everything shuts down at like 10. I don't know. I think... Uh, and the oh. majority of the population doesn't believe in drinking, I think. So going to the... Well, no one's going to the stadium anyway, but eventually they will. Eventually. But what do you think about that? $1.66 billion for an NBA franchise. Does that seem about right? I guess. I mean, this is after negotiating how we're sharing money. I guess baseball was worse. But do you feel bad for these people? Nope. That's so much money. It's just crazy. It's it's being sold to uh, 
to Qualtrics Quadri- founder Ryan Smith. I don't know who that is. He's 40. The man is 40 years old and is purchasing an NBA team for $1.66 billion. I feel bad about myself. Um, Gail Miller is a car salesman. Just saying. She owns all those dealerships. <laughs> she doesn't need another nickel, and she's probably done. Yeah. Well, you know, $1.66 billion. Yeah. Do you think they have any debt? No, probably not. I don't even know what Qualtrics is. It sounds like quantum physics. Be a tech company. Probably. He's got to be taking on debt to do it. All the way, maybe he doesn't. I I don't know. It's like, no, no, probably not. Like Steve Ballmer bought the Clippers like outright for like two something billion dollars. He has like $70 billion to his name. Actually, Miller Miller has an estimated worth of $1.9 billion. So now she's gonna, <laughs> pretty much going to double her worth. Yeah, it must be nice. Last thing to talk about, Paul, because honestly, we don't need to spend more time on the Utah Jazz. <sighs> Nobody cares. Right. Last thing, Danny Green was on a podcast recently talking about the start of the season. It's going to be December 22nd. He basically came out and said, Guys like LeBron James have thought about potentially sitting out the first like month of the season if it starts then because they need a longer rest to recover after playing into October. Do you agree with that? Do you not agree with that? We'll keep it simple. Do you agree with that or not? I'm going to answer with a phrase. Okay. Crying towel. <laughs> can you can you elaborate just slightly for us, our younger fans? LeBron works very hard, right? Yeah. He plays hours a game, right? Two, two and a half hours a game. Mm-hmm. But you don't see the eight hours he works out. Yeah, plus the media but, stuff and... You know, he plays hard, he works hard, stays in shape all year. I think he goes back to work. I I understand it. I will say, for somebody, if it's LeBron James doing it, I get it. He has played more minutes, more things, up to, for anybody that has had his length of career ever He's made 10 NBA finals. Like the guy basically never does have an off season. His season usually ends in mid July. If he's making the NBA finals based on normal years and starts back up playing season, like in end of October, beginning of November. So I get it. He doesn't get that much time then to have the whole isolation of the bubble that took way more out. And he's much older. He's going to be 36 by the time the next season starts. That doesn't sound that old, but it is when you've been playing a game since you were 18 and probably logged hundreds of thousands of miles on your body and your knees running up and down a court of hard surface. Not hard surface. So if it's a different veteran that doesn't have the level of excellence and longevity and long length of what LeBron has done over his career, I'd be like, eh. You should probably be playing. You know what? Somebody like him, I get it. I don't think he should, but I get it. I'll play again. I'll play devil's advocate. I understand why he might, but should he do it? Probably not. I feel like it won't be a good look. The whole competitive spirit will be used against him. Then I don't actually think he would. I feel like he would maybe then just take a night or two off here and there type thing but maybe not a full like the full first month because i feel like you can't also do that to your team i think he doesn't but this is giant what if 
And it is. It's, it's how the COVID thing goes. Try to lock these guys in a bubble for another season. Yeah, which it's not going to happen. I just don't see that happening. No, I don't either. Paul, one last thing. This will be it. I want a simple one-name answer because we are not we don't we don't stem into the world of politics. But as you know, the election is next Tuesday. I believe Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday. We should get that Tuesday. right. Tuesday, <laughs> November third. I was gonna say we should we shouldn't make sure we're t- giving false information here. Election is on Tuesday, November third. Who wins? Trump, Biden. Leave it at that. Biden. You're going with Biden. I'm gonna say Biden too, based on just all the polls and everything. I know last time all the polls said one thing and it came out a different way. We will see. But I mean, it's basically like another live sport happening because we will probably not record a show until next Wednesday because what's the point of a recording on election night? Right? Yeah. I don't know. They say uh, it could take a couple of days and I don't know. I just well, don't want to think we'll at least have a decent picture by the time we record Wednesday night. Hopefully. But all right, you're going with Biden. I'll say Biden. Whatever you guys do, go out. If you're 18 and older, go out and vote. Make your voice heard. No matter what you think, who you support, go and vote. It's the least you can do. And yeah, let's see what happens. Paul, any parting words? Wear a mask, be safe, and be kind to each other. That's always a good one. Again, listen to Paul. Stay safe, stay healthy. My name is Greg. Paul with me as always. This has been the Sports Stance on 12 Ounce Sports. Make sure you check out all the other great shows also on the network. Go to 12OnSports.com to check them out or Zingo TV. Anywhere you go, you can find it. But that's it. We will see you next week. Have a good one. The Sports Sports Dance. Dance.